least, we are in a series um, where we're getting to know the Holy Spirit of God and to know His powerful presence within us. Today we are talking about the power of the Spirit. And while you're opening your Bibles and turning to Acts 1, um, have you ever known somebody or seen somebody where you say, it just seems like they have a little bit more spiritual power than I've ever had. Yeah, I mean, lots of us have. And, uh, you know, there's people that, you know, when you hear them pray, you're just like, man, if I was God, I, I would just answer their prayers because they're praying with, with power. Or, or somebody who, uh, you know, as they're going through uh, just uh, things in life, they always have a scripture to quote for something. It seems like they just know what to say, or they're going through some tough circumstances, but they just seem to have faith, and they seem to have just more spiritual power than you have. Well, the answer may be that they do have uh, more power than, than you have uh, in your life. Uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and we've, we've come to learn that um, for all of us who are believers and trust in Jesus Christ, we all have the Holy Spirit. He comes and he dwells in each believer and follower of Jesus. But the difference may be uh, whether we're actually engaged with him uh, and aware of him and walking with him or not. I'll explain it uh, this way. Um, I used to, um, I, well, actually when I was in college, uh, I had an opportunity to go sailing around the Caribbean. Uh, with about 30 other people, we got on this big uh, ship, and, and we went sailing. I don't know, any sailors out there? Any sailors? A, a couple hands. Any, anybody that likes boating, kind of going on power boats, wakeboarding, things like that? Any, yeah, there, there's maybe some more of us that like that. See, I'm kind of along that, that line. I know sailing, there's supposed to be something very pure about it, uh, and kind of we even just sang about the wind in our sails. I didn't know we were going to sing that, but, um, you know, there's something very pure about it. And one time we were sailing. Um, you don't go very fast when you're sailing especially if there's not much wind, right? Uh, but we were out there sailing, and on this particular day, there was hardly any wind, uh, but we were sitting there, and we were going um, just very, very slow. Okay? Like it was just plodding uh, along. And uh, I remember that those who were pure sailors sitting there on the boat say, isn't this awesome? And I remember thinking, it's like, what's up? we're not getting anywhere where we want to go. We have destinations that we're going, where we have things that we're doing. Because you see, on this boat, not only did we have sails, but we actually had a diesel engine that could propel us forward. Uh, but for whatever reason, on that day, we had chosen just to be under the power of a sail, and it wasn't getting us anywhere. So it's kind of like, we have this power that's on board, but we are not engaging it. Uh, we are not utilizing it to get where we want to go. And sometimes in our spiritual lives of following Jesus is a little bit like that, uh, where many of us feel like we're just kind of plodding along. We, we hear maybe about what we're supposed to be experiencing, but we're not getting anywhere. And uh, we, we feel like we're just going through the motions. And the reality of the Holy Spirit is that we have a power on board in the Holy Spirit that we need to engage with and get going. And now, now worse than just kind of plodding along, sometimes what we try to do is to do it under our own power, this, this Christian walk, this, this walk with Christ, fulfilling his commandments in the Bible. We just try to do it under our own power. And the Bible is very clear that when it comes to spiritual things, you and I, in our flesh, we have no natural power to get the things of God done. 
Uh, but for those of us who do trust in Jesus, uh, Romans chapter 8 tells us that we have the very same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, that got something very significant done within us. But many of us just kind of go through the motions and plod along. Today we want to talk about how it is um, that the Holy Spirit gives each one of us who are followers of Jesus the ability to live supernaturally in a very natural world. And so we're going to look at the power of the Holy Spirit. But first, let me pray. Let us invite him to come and to do what only he can do. God is very aware this morning of our limitations, very aware of my limitations. And God, you know your people that have walked into this place, the, the word that they need to hear, the encouragement, the, the truth, the conviction. And God, I am so thankful that your Holy Spirit is present here among us and that you are ready to work as we look through your word. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. I pray that I would be a spirit-empowered speaker uh, of your word and that we would all be spirit-empowered hearers of your word, that we would know how it is that you would have us respond this morning. So, God, come and lead us, lead us closer to Christ by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We are in Acts chapter 1, and if you're new to church, um, you should know that these are some of like the foundational passages about the Holy Spirit. A little bit of context to Acts chapter 1 is that um, Jesus has already died on the cross. He was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, and now he's spending some time talking to his followers before he ascends into heaven. And Acts 1 tells us he spent about 40 days teaching them some things, and he said this, that while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from the city of Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Now, what was the promise of the Father? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Jesus, before he went to the cross, spoke to his followers in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, and he told them that when he goes, he will send the helper, uh, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And so now he tells them that they are to wait in Jerusalem to not go and try to do anything until the Holy Spirit comes. He says, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Uh, so a couple of things that we learn, what Jesus is telling his followers. Number one is this, to wait for the promised helper, the one that would equip and enable and empower them to do what they were completely unable to do in themselves. The second thing, he tells them that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, this word uh, baptized comes from a root word baptizo, uh, which literally means to immerse. This is why when we baptize followers of Jesus, we have a big tank of water up here, and we actually dunk fully uh, and immerse in the tank of water. That's what this word means. It doesn't just mean uh, a little bit or a, a little sprinkling. It means to be immersed. And Jesus says that you will be immersed, you will be overwhelmed, you will be overflowing with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is telling them that you're going to experience the presence of God in a whole new way. Now, 
one of the things we're doing in this series is receiving your questions um, because uh, on Sunday morning I'll talk about these things and uh, quite frankly the Holy Spirit we have a lot of questions about and so um, on your app we have a way that you can submit questions and this was one of the questions that came in this week and said if the Holy Spirit was a normal part of people's life in the Old Testament like how we came on King Saul. We talked about that last week, that the Holy Spirit would come on people for a time and for a purpose. The question then says, then why does Jesus act like the giving of the Holy Spirit to believers is something new and special, saying that the Holy Spirit couldn't come if Jesus stayed with his disciples? This is one of your questions. It's anonymous, so we don't know who it is, and you can submit these questions. But the reality here is that, um, yes, The Holy Spirit was present from the beginning of all eternity, which we said last week, and he did descend, he did fall on people, is the words that are used in the Old Testament, for a purpose, um, like many of those verses in the video showed, for a time and for a purpose. But the Holy Spirit would fall, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. What Jesus is now saying is that the Holy Spirit is going to come in a brand new way. He is going to immerse all of my followers And so, uh, actually, kind of in the past, the Holy Spirit, um, it wasn't normal for every follower of God to experience the Holy Spirit in this way. It would come on specific people for specific purposes. And if you look at the whole of the nation of Israel, God's people in the Old Testament, the reality is very few of them ever experienced the power of the Holy Spirit equipping and enabling them to do something purposeful for God. But what Jesus is saying here is the Holy Spirit is going to come in a brand new way. And he is going to come and immerse all of my people, all of my followers, uh, and that everyone will have this presence of God, equipping, empowering, enabling to live the life that I have for them. What does he say is going to happen to him? Jesus continues in Acts 1 verse 8, and he says this, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What does he say they're going to be able to do? Uh, He says that they are going to be his witnesses throughout the world. Uh, That they were going to fulfill the very mission that Jesus came to proclaim the good news, to proclaim the kingdom of God and to advance him. So the, the power of the Holy Spirit is not just for random stuff that we want to do. It's to accomplish God's plan in this world. And so Jesus tells his followers, you will be my witnesses when the power comes upon you. And you will go and you will spread this good news. Power, he says. Uh, This word is dunamis. It's what we get dynamite from. Okay, So the idea is that there is this potential to exert some incredible force to to, uh, do and transform many things. And this is the, the power, is the power of God, the explosive power of God that comes upon his people and does some crazy, incredible things. Now, Why is this such a big deal? Um, Well, because if you know anything about Jesus' followers, the ones that Jesus is talking to, and if you've ever read through the Gospels, who these followers were, I mean, they were a bunch of knuckleheads. They, They were continuously getting it wrong. Time and time again, Jesus would say, you of little faith, how, how much longer do I have to stay with you until you can, can get this? Uh, they were uh, cowards. 
Uh, in fact, when Jesus came to them after his resurrection, he had to come uh, to this uh, little bitty locked upper room because uh, they had left. When Jesus was crucified, there was only one of his followers that even went to the cross. Uh, there was one of his closest, uh, Peter, uh, who uh, continually in his cowardice denied even knowing Jesus and Instead of doing anything about it, he just kind of wept and ran and hid away. But Jesus is saying when the Holy Spirit comes, something different is going to happen. Um, but he tells them to wait, to not try to go in their own power, as he knew them very well. He, he knew what they could accomplish, and it wasn't much. So he says, wait until the helper comes. We don't have to wait very long until uh, we see the Holy Spirit come. It says in Acts chapter 2, the next chapter, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, this is about probably 10 days later, it says they, meaning the disciples, the followers of Jesus, were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The Holy Spirit comes and descends on the followers of Jesus with power in this incredible, powerful way. Now, some questions about this passage, right? And some of you have already submitted your questions about this. Is okay, are these demonstrative gifts still present in the church today? Why don't we see them more here uh, in Discovery? And uh, this is not the main point of today's passage, so we're not going to address this question. But I know we have questions about it, and since we're talking about it, I want to at least mention it. On November 8th, we will talk all about the demonstrative and miraculous gifts of the Spirit. So mark that on your calendar if you have a lot of questions about and come back. But today, where we want to stay focused is the fact that when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes in power. In this incredible rushing wind, tongues of fire, speaking utterance, which the people didn't even know that they were speaking. And we see very specifically in Acts chapter 2 what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus' cowardly followers. Peter, I already mentioned him, the guy that runs away, the guy who is a coward, now under the power of the Holy Spirit, says in Acts 2 verse 14, Peter stands up with the 11 in the middle of this crowd that's asking questions about what's going on with all these people uh, speaking and, and shouting. And he stands up and he dress, addresses them and says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. And this cowardly Peter who runs away gives one of the most remarkable sermons Ever, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon him. And he begins to uh, explain Old Testament passages, what's going on. And he's speaking to the crowds that had been the very ones that crucified Jesus. And, and as he kind of reaches uh, this crescendo, as he's getting to, all of the people respond. And they say uh, that uh, they ask, Peter, what shall we do? Because it says that they were cut to their hearts by this word. 
And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now this is very remarkable if you're missing it because not only do you have Peter who ran away afraid, now standing up boldly and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus to the crowd that had crucified Jesus, but you also see the crowd that had crucified Jesus being struck to their hearts as well. And they, it says, 3,000 on that day became followers of Jesus. This is the transformational power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Jesus' followers. What, what he does is transform those who would be cowardly and weak. And he also transforms those who would be scoffers and mockers and killers of God. And he transforms them. In fact, other people saw this and they, they took notice too. Acts 14 verse 13 It says, when they, the religious leaders that had crucified Jesus, saw the boldness of Peter and one of the other disciples, John, they perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished at what they were seeing. They knew that they had been with Jesus, but they also knew, hey, these are just common, ordinary guys. Now, they're standing up with boldness. In fact, we knew that these guys ran away. We're not bold, and now they are bold. Something has gone on here. And this is what Jesus did when he looked on these ordinary, common men and women, and he called them to be his followers. And he said, in and of yourself, you can do nothing. But when my spirit comes, you will receive power to do what you cannot do in your own natural ability. And the whole reason that you and I are here today in Davis, California, 2,000 years later, is because the Holy Spirit descended on some ordinary, cowardly men and women. And God's plan was advanced, and the gospel spread. They were his witnesses in Jerusalem, through Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the world that has led today. And so as we sit here as ordinary, common men and women, we need to realize that just like the first followers of Jesus, In and of ourselves, we can't do very much. We can't do anything spiritual. But God has sent his Holy Spirit to help us be who we cannot be in ourselves. Now, as we talk about this power of the Spirit, we probably wonder, like, what does that look like for us here today? Should we expect that when the Holy Spirit is present in a place, like, things start shaking and, you know, fire starts descending, people start speaking in tongues, like what, what should it look like, right? So uh, what I want to do today is to uh, give us some understanding of what the Bible looks like, because even if we go to the New Testament, we don't see that, like that's what happens all the time. God decided in his sovereignty that, hey, when I send the Holy Spirit, everybody is going to know about it, and there's not going to be any question. And so he did that work in Acts chapter 2. And sometimes he still shows up in that powerful way when God wants him to. Uh, but other times, it, you know, it's a little bit more, uh, can we say, kind of normative uh, in our lives. So what does that look like? What should we expect in our everyday lives? 
And so I want to look at scriptures that talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And the first thing that we'll learn is this, that the Holy Spirit gives power to share Christ boldly. The Holy Spirit gives power to share Christ boldly. Um, We just looked at the example of Peter. Okay, maybe we're like, well, well, that's Peter, uh, you know, that, that's not me. In fact, many of us would probably feel like, you know, that's for other people to do. That's, you know, I'm more quiet, I'm more reserved. Um, but the reality for many of us is, is we're simply afraid to share Christ. We're afraid to step out as witnesses. And so we assume that we're not able in and of ourselves. And that's a good thing to assume because we're not. Look what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, my speech and my message, okay, this is the, the uh, top missionary ever in the history of the church to advance the gospel. He showed up to a lot of new places, and this is what he says, my speech, my message, were not with plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Sometimes we look for eloquence. Sometimes we look for the perfectly crafted message that tickles us just right all around. What Paul is saying, it's not about putting together the the just right message or the eloquence. It's about the Spirit showing up and doing something. And, and, you know, I experience this, quite frankly, with you each and and every week. Um, You know, I I do this a lot, speaking up here. And so people will ask me, it doesn't seem like you're, you're nervous. Do you ever get nervous? As people ask me, and I can honestly tell you, um, each and every time uh, I speak, there's nerves there. Um, When you're you're tasked with sharing uh, the word of God to people who are hurting and need need help, I mean, there's nervousness there. Um, The only thing is that I've done it enough to realize that no matter what's going on in me, uh, I stand up, the Holy Spirit shows up. It doesn't matter uh, how I'm feeling. Uh, we, quite frankly, I'm, I'm a man just like uh, you, where uh, my kids get sick. I've got four of them. Uh, my wife and I, we sometimes have uh, arguments on a Sunday morning, just like many of you. You know, I go through the struggles. I go through sickness. I go through pain. I go through doubts and, and questions as well. And I'll be honest with you, there's some Sunday mornings where I show up here just as tanked physically, emotionally, and spiritually as any of you. But what I've learned is that the Holy Spirit uses broken vessels in even more powerful ways. And I've realized that the Holy Spirit, if you will step forward, is that he will show up and he will do a work. That it's not about the eloquence of the message, it's about being a spirit-empowered speaker, it's about being spirit-empowered hearers. And the Holy Spirit does the work within us. Now, I know that um, many of you won't do what, what I do and be tasked with this job of preaching, but uh, what I want you to know is that when you go throughout your week, many of you are fearful. Many of you say, I don't know enough to step out and, and share. You will always feel that way. But the question is, will you step forward in that? Will you trust God to do what you cannot do in and of yourself? And you, if you watch this week, if you desire to proclaim Christ in your life, if you listen to, to his promptings of when to speak a word of encouragement, when to, to, to speak just about your faith, or when to share the gospel, 
I know you, you'll be afraid, but if you listen to the Holy Spirit, he will give you the words. He will speak through you. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said this, and when, speaking to his followers, when they bring you before the synagogues, those are the religious people that kind of know everything about the Bible, okay, and when they bring you in front of the rulers and the authorities, those are the powerful people that could kill you, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Holy Spirit comes with power that we could proclaim him boldly. It's not about the preparation, though, yes, we can maybe do some preparation and there's good things in that. But it's very often not the lack of preparation. It's the lack of willingness to step forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. So will we be a people who step forward, not in our own power and what we know, but in what the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through us? I'll be honest with you, there's sometimes some conversations where I have where I'm like, you know, or sermons where I'm like, you know, I, I killed it. You know, that was eloquent, said all the right things, you know, four parts of the gospel, laid it out, applied it to life. And this person is going to trust in Jesus for sure. He's going to walk away with their questions. And there's other times when I say that the most foolish, awkward things, and the person wants to believe and trust in Jesus or, or is convicted and just continually reminding me that's not about us. It is about what God is doing through us, in us, in the work of those who are listening. As we go through these things, and the key, key thing that we need to know today, is many of us are living life in one direction, and it's under our own power, and trying to do things on our own. What, what Peter said to that crowd in Acts chapter 2, he's already said, repent. And what repent is, it's a literal change in direction. You're going one direction. Repent means to change direction. And so today as we go through these things, there may be some ways that you say, you know, I've been living under my own power, trying to get it done. And the reason that I'm not making any progress and just kind of muddling along is because I'm doing it in my own power. And I need to surrender the me power you know, stop the me power. It's not about what you can do. It's about what God wants to do in and through you and start engaging with that. So in this case, when it comes to proclaiming Christ, if you want to be a witness and you're saying, if I could just know more, if I could just get a little bit more eloquent, get the message down, that's trying to do it in your own. Rather than surrendering yourself and saying, Holy Spirit, come, show me. Moment by moment, speak to me. Let me know when you want me to speak up when you want me to be quiet, when you want me to work in action. That's living under the Holy Spirit's power. Another thing the Spirit does in our lives every day is that the Spirit gives us power to be strengthened when you're weak. Romans chapter 8, verse 26 says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Hey, the Spirit is the helper. What's one of the ways that He helps us? In our weakness. You know, God loves to work in the place of our weakness. Because when we work in our strengths and in our abilities, it's easy for us to take the glory. Uh, God loves uh, when he gets the glory. And so when he does something incredible in our area of weakness, he knows it can't be explained by what we could get done. And so uh, he loves to do this. And, and so and picture it this way. If I were to, to, this morning, bring a basketball hoop on the stage and take a few baskets 
Yeah, I'm fairly athletic, and I'd uh, be quite confident that I could probably make uh, at least a 50% percentage of my shots, okay, because I have some natural ability. And most of you would probably look at that and say, well, John's probably played basketball before. He's probably practiced some shots. He can do that in and of himself. You wouldn't believe that. It's, okay, God's given me the ability to do that. However, if I were so inclined this morning, if the Spirit laid it on my heart to begin to sing a song, Be thankful he has not inclined me to sing a song this morning. But you would know that it is not in my own ability because naturally I cannot sing a lick. I mean, many of you think I sit in the front row because I'm the pastor. No, I sit in the front row so you don't have to hear me sing because I want to be able to shout out the joyful noise, and very often it is joyful noise. Uh, thankfully, it is pleasant to our Father's ear when he hears. Uh, but that's the reality. Now, some people are naturally gifted, but the reality is in our lives, we sometimes think that the Spirit only works in like kind of crazy off-the-chart ways, which he certainly can. He can do whatever he wants. He's the Spirit of God. However, there are many ways that he works and that he deserves to receive the glory for it. Let me give you this example. Uh, you guys know that I'm a, I'm a pastor. Many of you uh, know that I kind of greet people in the lobby, and uh, many of you probably walk away saying, well, John's a, John's a pretty friendly guy. Uh, he's a relational guy. He, he uh, made us feel welcome. Um, the reality is, if you knew me 10, 15 years ago, 15 years ago, I forgot how old I was for a minute, <laughs> 15 years ago, when I was back in college, in fact, when I first started dating my wife, all her friends say, you're dating that guy? He never talks. And the reality is, naturally, that's who I am. I'm very quiet. I, I was a guy growing up in high school that would never say hi to any new visitor. In fact, when I first started coming to this church in the very first months of the church, uh, same thing. I, I could not, I always did the behind the scenes. I was a behind the scenes guy. Um, but one day I saw that the pastor was out in the lobby. And new people were coming, and he had to, had to welcome some people. I said, God, I, you know, I prayed. Like, God, send somebody uh, to do the work of welcoming because he's overwhelmed. He needs help. And I just felt God say, step forward. I said, God, I must have heard you long, wrong. Is that, that's not me. You know John in my flesh. And he simply said, step forward. And I'll tell you, if I say hello to you in the lobby today, I know that it is by the grace of God. And the work of him in my life, because that's not naturally who I am. But very often what we do in our flesh is as we're walking with Christ, we just say, you know, that's not me. I'm not, I'm not the witness guy. I'm not the welcoming guy. I, I'm not the study the Bible guy. I'll never know the Bible like these other people. I'm not, I'm not the prayer guy. Sometimes I wonder what we think that we actually are in Christ. But the reality is, if we will step forward. If we have a willing heart, that's something God can use. He doesn't need us to come with all that we have. He says, you have nothing to offer anyway. Come, be used by me. You know, God can use the weak as long as we're willing because his power works within us. In fact, God loves to use work in the areas of the weak because then he gets all of the glory. So there may be an area where you're feeling weak in your life. What is that area where you just say, oh, that's, that's not me. I, I can't do that. I, I'm, I'm just too weak to do that. Maybe it is an area of serving in the church. Maybe it's an area of, 
of uh, figuring out your schedule to be able to do that. Maybe it's in the area of, of parenting. Just saying, man, I'm never going to be a good mom or, or dad. I can never get this right. And you're feeling just weak as you come in today. God wants to strengthen and help you in that area of weakness. Maybe you struggle to understand uh, the scriptures. Maybe you, you struggle uh, to, to pray. The wonderful thing, it says, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Good news is even if you could get the most eloquent words, the Spirit still works in the way that only he can work. Doing something that only he can do in the areas of our weakness. So if you're in a place today where you're trying to do it on your own, where you're trying to get better, where you're trying to overcome that area of sin, and you're finding, you know what, I just feel like I'm constantly in the same place. I'm not moving forward at all. If you're in that place, it is time to, to stop trying to do it in your own power and, and to start engaging with the power of the Spirit that has come to help us in our weakness. Because then we will see that in our weakness, that He is made strong. In our weakness, we are made perfect if we'll surrender to him. Number three, the power to have hope in a hopeless world. This is what the Spirit gives us in our everyday life. I mean, our world, uh, it's pretty hopeless. Romans chapter 15 says this, May the God of hope, because he is a God of hope, fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Spirit you may abound, abound in hope. By the power of the Spirit, abound in hope. So if you're just out there trying to kind of say, hey, if I could just get my circumstances better, hey, if I could just get the kids to calm down, if I could just get a little bit more finances in my bank, if I could just get a little bit better job, if I could just find the right friend or the, the right relationship in my marriage, then I would abound in hope. No, if our hope is in limited things, our hope will always be limited. But if our hope is in the unlimited God, if he is our source of provision, if he is our source of joy, uh, Paul said it this way, I've learned the secret of being content in any circumstances. And so whatever your circumstances, I pray this scripture, may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Some of us I know are showed up to this place just feeling so hopeless in our circumstances. I can't promise you today that God's going to flip-flop those circumstances. I can't promise you that those will just go away. But what I do know is that there is the Holy Spirit of God who will give you the power to abound in hope regardless of what your circumstances are. So today, if you're just here looking for some better circumstances, some better relationships, we need to stop putting our hope in the things of this world and to start engaging with the Spirit of God and asking the Holy Spirit to come and to give us a hope that is beyond any of our circumstances. Stop pursuing hope in the things of this world. Start pursuing hope in and through the Holy Spirit. For he points us to Jesus, and Jesus is the anchor to our soul. 
Finally, I'll say this. He gives us the power to experience all the fullness of God. All the fullness of God. So many of us have reduced Christianity down to religion. So many of us have reduced Christianity down to the lowest common denominator. Okay, I do the least that I have to do uh, to be a good Christian. So I believe in God. I, I one time prayed a prayer. I one time was baptized. I, I joined a church, and then maybe I joined another church. I read the Bible, not, not a whole lot, but I read it a little bit. I tried to be a good person, and this is Christianity for us. When you look at our lives, and you see something that does not look very much different than the rest of this world. We're doing it in the power of our own self. We're, we're settling for things other than what God has called us to do. We're still hurting. We're still addicted. We're still worried. We're still broke. We're still struggling in all these things in life. No real faith, no real victory, and why? Because many of us are doing it on our own or just going through the motions rather than Walking with the Spirit of God in our everyday life. Second Timothy says it this way, that there are some who have the appearance of godliness, but are denying its power. In other words, there are many of us who call ourselves Christian that are trying to look very Christian, but we're not living out in relationship. We are doing the religion. Today, God would call us to stop doing the religion and to start doing the relationship that he purchased through his own blood on the cross, through his son Jesus. And he has given us the ability to walk day after day by the Holy Spirit. So many of us today don't understand really who God is and what it is that he has for our life. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to understand the fullness of God. Paul prayed this for the church in Ephesus, and I pray this for us, Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to his power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you're out here this morning, you're wondering, is there anything more to life than this? Is there anything more to Christianity than this? Is just showing up, going through the motions, just muddling and struggling through the same things time after time again? The answer is yes, but it is not in your own power. It is not in anything that you can do or anything that the church will do for you. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit of God who that when we receive Jesus Christ, he promised that he would place into our lives as well to be his powerful presence in us day after day. He brings the power to produce the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Hey, he gives us uh, the ability to serve in ways that we cannot serve uh, ourselves. He gives us wisdom from on high. He gives us his gifts to do his supernatural work in this world. He gives us the power to be his witness when we feel we are unable and we do not know enough. 
So church, when we come today, we respond, we repent, we stop doing things in our own power, and we receive the power that he has for us. Heavenly Father, holy, almighty God, we kneel before you. We ask you to come to do a work in our lives. God, for those of us who don't know you, for those of us who feel hopeless, we don't know the hope that is in Jesus. It is not the work of a preacher to change a heart. It's not the work of a church to change a heart. It's your Holy Spirit that comes and opens our hearts to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would move in the hearts of those who are hopeless, who do not know you. Draw them to you. May your word call us to repentance. God, I pray for those who right now, their their hearts are opening up to you. I pray that you continue to lead them to you. Jesus, for those of us that know you, for those of us that maybe know all of these scriptures, we've heard them time and time again, but yet we go out on Monday And we try to do it all under our power again. God, it's like blowing on the sails and trying to get somewhere on our own. Jesus, you told us to wait for your spirit. But then you sent your spirit. And so that today, each and every one of us who call on the name of Jesus can have your power at work within us. I pray that we would surrender the me power I'd surrender looking anywhere else but you, Jesus. I pray that we would come to know your power, that we would engage what you've placed within us, that we would be stirred up to seek after you and to pursue you. So, Spirit, come. You know the needs of your people more than I can possibly grasp. You know those of us who are sick and need healing. You know those of us who are wounded and need help. You know of us who feel lost and need guidance. You know us who are struggling with sin and we need victory. I pray that today you would grab a hold of us, that we would experience your powerful presence, and we would walk with you. In Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Discovery, we're going to take time to respond. Um, it starts by, by hearing the word of God.